0: what happened three days after Jesus died on the cross? He rose again. And who were the first people to find out that Jesus rose from the dead? Right? Two ladies get there, and who's in the tomb? Nobody. Who's sitting on the big old boulder outside of the tomb? Right? There's two angels, and they'd be like, what are you looking for the living for amongst the dead? Hint, hint, wink, wink, he's not here. what we're learning about picks up in the same day, kind of the same moment, just in a different location. So the ladies are there. They're now running back from the tomb to tell the disciples and all this commotion and excitement. uh, And and some of the news begins to spread. And there's a couple of guys who are now going on a little bit of a vacation, uh, a long day down, like you would go to maybe the beach for the day. They're going to a place uh, that was known to kind of get away for some R&R, rest and relaxation. Uh, This place is known as Emmaus. They'd go there, they'd hang out. There's all kinds of hot springs and things there. People just chill for the day and they're going along, having a conversation. Um, And I don't know if you've ever been having a conversation and some random person just chimes in. Like, hey, what you talking about? You're like, hey, where'd you come from? What's your name? This is weird. Sometimes people eavesdrop or or jump in, and it's not quite like that. It was a little bit more common as you traveled roads and went to and from all over the place by foot uh, to have people kind of join you for the journey. This was a little over a three-hour journey to get there, to hang out for the day or a couple days, a a seven-and-a-half-mile walk. But nonetheless, these two guys are going for a walk. Uh, They're talking about all kinds of stuff that's been going on that weekend, the crucifixion of Jesus, the supposed resurrection, the different commotion and ideas. They're not sure what to do with it. And some guy just chimes in. So pick up chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If you're ever like, how'd you know it was seven miles? Because the Bible said so, all right? And they talked together of all these things which had happened. All those things is the weekend, the crucifixion of Jesus, the ladies running to the tomb, the angels being there, they're coming back. They're talking about all of this stuff. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Interesting. Verse 17. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that happened here in these days? And he said, Jesus said to them, What things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But Jesus, they didn't see. Interesting story. They're going along. Of course, you can totally understand their uh, surprise when this guy shows up, not just because he shows up, but he's like, what are you guys talking about? What are you so sad? What's going on? Like, are you kidding me? Where have you been the last three days? Are you the only stranger? The setting here is one of a city full of people. The road would have been packed as they journeyed. They were going along. It says they conversed and reasoned. They dialogue and examined and had questions in a far less serious way. Uh, Look, I like sports. How many of you guys love sports? You're like sports fiends, all right? If sports disappeared, you would just die, okay? Now, like, I like sports. I love Super Bowl. It's one of my favorite holidays, or at least it should be a holiday. Then it would be one of mine. So I'm with you. I dig baseball, the World Series portion. I kind of have a hard time with most of upfront part, but whatever. The part I can't sit and watch is immediately when the show's over, there's a new show where they sit there and talk about the game you just watched. There's three guys that are like baseball experts or football experts, and like, well, you know what happened well, was, like, I know what happened. I watched the show. But they sit there and they analyze about how the guy holds the baseball or holds the bat or who threw what and how many yards the football player run and touchdowns they made this season and how tall he is and how, what college he went to and They begin to examine and reason and talk and dialogue and go back and forth about every tiny little detail. That's what these guys are doing. They're going back. and You know what I heard? And look what I saw. And I was talking to Mary and she said this. And then this guy and uh, I heard that Pontius Pilate was involved. I didn't know that. Tell me more. Oh, yeah. And he didn't. He washed his hands. He washed his hands of it. That means he wasn't really. And they were going back and forth and back and forth and trying to kind of figure it out and make sense out of it. And this is the stuff, when people begin to become mindful of the Lord, and then they begin to talk about the Lord, God is in the midst of it. Quite literally here, Jesus shows up in the middle of their conversation, but it's even true today that right now, or if it's after service, or in the car, or you talk to a friend at school, or you go to a Christian club, or you start your own backyard Bible study this summer, or whatever you do, the moment two or more people begin to have a conversation about God, he is in that moment. It's amazing. It's exciting. You'll find out here in a minute. They go from bummed out and sad. Remember, Jesus says, how come you guys are walking and you're sad? And they end up wildly excited. God's in the midst of our conversations. It's it's pretty awesome. For real. It's not a theory. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. It's an Old Testament verse, and it's still true today. It says, then Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. They have these amazing conversations, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate or really, really want to understand on his name. If you fall into the minority of people who aren't just aware of God, but genuinely have a heart to know more, that you have conversations, and your, your thoughts do drift towards the Lord sometimes, and maybe even conversations go in that direction, the Lord says, when you have a heart to meditate, it means to begin to understand, not just to look at, but to really know the heart of. He begins to record and write down, and in heaven somewhere, there's going to be a book of all these conversations that take place, and you're going to flip it. I remember meeting you know, with such and such for coffee. I remember going to Christian club and having that conversation. I remember talking to one of my leaders after church. Every one of those times the Lord says, this is awesome and worth remembering. It's awesome and worth, it's a book of remembrance. It's not a book of trouble. It's a book of excitement. Jesus provokes them, he draws out their heart. He says, look, what are you talking about? Why are you all sad and gloomy? What are you kicking rocks for? What's going on? And they tell him a couple of things. They tell him, look, we've lost hope. We've lost hope. We're losing our confidence and we've become quite confused. He says, what what things? I love this about the Lord. There's an Old Testament verse given that describes the character of God. It's a messianic prophecy. It means a, a foretelling of what the Savior would be like. Okay, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, check this out. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does this sound familiar to you guys? It's like, yeah, right around Christmas time, this comes floating to the surface always. For sure it does, but of the descriptions and character of God, there's one that you see Jesus literally embodying and living out right now. It says, Counselor, that he comes along, he's not like, hey, what's wrong with you? Smile, joy of the Lord, man, be happy. He's like, hey, what's up? What are you guys bummed out about? Now, I think it's hilarious. Who are, they, who are these guys talking to other than themselves? Jesus. But they don't know it's Jesus. It says that their eyes were restrained, they didn't know it. Have you guys ever been next to someone uh, and didn't recognize them? It's funny, the other day, oh, the park day for uh, spring break, I don't know. I felt pretty casual that day. I threw on a sweatshirt, threw on a hat. It's amazing how quickly you can change uh, your appearance. I was at the store that morning. Someone for real, as close as you are to me, probably closer, walked right by, and I was like, hey, and they looked at me like I was a weirdo. Like, why are you wait?" Oh, hey! Oh my gosh! We used to do a fun event called Mall Madness. Have you ever done Mall Madness? pretty fun. In concept, you take all the leaders that you know by face. They'd put on fake beards and hats and disguises and go to the mall. And then you have to walk around and try and figure out who's one of your leaders and who isn't. And you're probably tapping strangers on the shoulder like, hey, oh, hey. <laughs> David, what? I'm just kidding. Now, like, there's a fun side of it all, of disguises and playing like you're a spy or just dressing down for the day and people not noticing you. There's a little bit more going on that the Lord was gonna be slow to reveal the full nature of what's happening. And their eyes are restrained and held back and Jesus begins to counsel them through it all. Because there's a point where we need to accept the reality of God without some supernatural circumstances taking place. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Yeah, they're talking to him, but they need to come to a point through the word of God of just accepting the truth is truth no matter how obvious it is. And this journey begins, and there's two things that happen. One, they say, look it, we've lost our confidence. Verse 21, they've lost hope, the word is. They've lost confidence. They're not sure anymore. The problem wasn't Jesus. The problem was their hope wasn't in the fullness of Jesus. There's a tiny little verse. You guys ever read the book of Proverbs? Please. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know you got lots of schoolwork going on, all right? But read the book of Proverbs. It's in your Bible about halfway through, right after the book of Psalms. Uh, If you read it for like five minutes a day, you'd be done in a month, and it will change your life forever. But there's a truth that's tucked away forever there. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It does. You know it does. Have you guys ever been hoping and longing for something? Like you were super sure you were gonna get what you wanted for Christmas this year. You were sure of it. I remember this happened to me one time. I was, uh, I think, maybe 11 years old. I was ridiculously convinced I knew what I was getting, and it was exactly what I wanted because I had seen it. I saw it. No one knew I saw it before it got wrapped, but I saw it. And you go into open presents. Hmm, that's not what I wanted. You open the next one. Hmm, that's not what I wanted. And then all of a sudden your cousin opens his present and it's exactly what you wanted. He got what you wanted. I didn't get what I wanted. It was the most frustrating, saddening moment of my life Or you think you're gonna go on vacation or you're gonna go to Disneyland and then all of a sudden your little sister gets sick and plans are canceled. When we're hoping and hoping and hoping and then it doesn't come to pass, it bums you out. These guys were sincerely hoping, but not in who Jesus was. They were hoping in what they thought Jesus would do. Our hope is not in what we think Jesus will do. I'm not hoping and believing in God because I I think he's going to feed my family tomorrow. I know he will because of who he is. I'm not hoping in God because I might need a miracle in a couple years. I love God because of who he is no matter whether the miracle comes or not. He's a loving father, period, end of story. These guys, they had hope, but now they didn't. They had confidence, but now they didn't. They tell him this guy, this guy Jesus, he was a prophet, he was mighty indeed. The things he did were powerful how do you not know about Jesus? The things he said were powerful. Did you never hear? But he was crucified. We thought he would redeem Israel. It means to liberate, to set them free. But it didn't happen. Oh, yeah, it did. Totally did, just not the way they were expecting. They wanted someone to come in and to conquer Rome, to overthrow the government, and to lead them back to inheriting the land that they thought they deserved. And it was this grand plan that God will do. But Jesus came not to liberate from a little bit of tyranny, but from eternal tyranny, from the tyranny, the bondage of sin and death not the moment of oppressive government. And so Jesus did exactly what Jesus came to do. They had just missed it. See, God's plan is always bigger than our understanding. God's plan is always bigger than our understanding. And when things seem to fall apart, these guys were passionate, excited, hopeful, confident. Now they're bummed out, sad, taking a walk for a little R&R. But the reality is when things seem to fall apart, we rest in who God is, not what we thought he was supposed to do. I mean, by all means, he's not done yet. God's not done, not even close is God done, not only in this story, but in our lives. John chapter 16, Jesus tells us, look, I still have many things to say to you. He was getting ready to leave and go back up to heaven and he tells the disciples, "I I have more I want to share. There's more things I wanna say, but you cannot bear them now. So it's as we can handle what God has for us, he shows us and what we cannot handle, he'll show us when we're ready. These guys, they thought this was the end of the story, and there's a bunch of confusion going on, but this must have been the end of the story. It's too late. How long had Jesus been dead? Three days. I mean, by that point, your body's literally beginning to decay. Uh, Rigor mortis is way set in, where you're like stiff and can't move the body. Uh, It's beginning to devour itself, in a sense, and fall apart. And so, look, People stumble upon this false assumption all the time that they're the ones that discovered something God can't do. Oh, you know what? I know God can do it, but in my life, God couldn't. Oh, hold on. You, you guys found something God couldn't do? That's pretty impressive. I've never been able to find something God can't do. How, how dead was Lazarus? Do you remember the story of Lazarus? Was he like mostly dead? Or was he fully dead? Fully dead for how many days? Anybody know? Four. Well, Jesus has been dead three. I'd at least try, I would like to hope, like, well, I know he's been dead three days, but Lazarus was dead four. Let's give it 24 more hours, and then we can be bummed out. They didn't stumble upon something God couldn't do. They stumbled upon something they didn't understand. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The gospel we're reading, Luke chapter 24, starts off, the opening chapter, chapter one says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So they had lost confidence, all right? would say confidence. And they had become confused. You guys know, become confused. And not the like, oh, this is hard math. But the things are like, you have it totally figured out. And then five minutes later, you have no clue what you're doing. Things that are absolutely difficult. Uh, I don't know if you guys like to fish or not. I love to fish, never get to go. But if you go enough times, you get to experience the misery of when you go to cast (gasps) and the line for no reason just tangles up all within itself. I don't know what the, the technical term for it is, but it's just a mess. And there's no way to fix it. You just have to cut it all off and restring your line. These guys had it all figured out. Jesus is going to come. He's going to overthrow Rome. Look at the power. Look at the way he speaks to people. And then, poof, well, must not have been him. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. And they're having this conversation. They're breaking it down every detail. They became confused. The word that they use in verse 22 says, astonished. They became astonished big old word means displaced out of our mind they were beside themselves literally how could this happen I don't understand I've never had to experience this I hope I never do but it must be that feeling that when everything's going fine and you get a phone call it's like hey mom got in a car accident she's in the hospital we got to go see what's going on what do you mean I was just on my way to my friend's house. Everything was fine. I saw her this morning. What happened? Totally beside yourself, totally out of your mind, totally displaced. Why were their eyes restrained? I don't have a perfect answer other than it's part of the journey. Some people would say, I read uh, a while ago, it says, we cannot see him because our minds are self-occupied. We only think about it from our perspective. So, check this out. We read through this. There's a second half of the story worth reading for sure. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 and 26. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ, the Savior, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It's awesome. Very short but very amazing. And remember, this is a three-hour journey. Uh, they must have spent a, quite a bit of time together because they begin now after this massive, wild Bible study to say, okay, you're staying with us tonight. I don't know if it was a hotel or a room or an inn or what, but like, you are not going any further. You're staying with us. But look at how the conversation starts. What's the first thing he calls them? Look at your, look at your Bible, verse 25. Oh, foolish, foolish ones. All right, you're like that, that's... It's like a loving term, and the, what does that mean in Greek? In Greek, it means foolish one. All right? <laughs> like, hey man, you should have got it. You should have understood, but you didn't. Oh, foolish ones! And the second term thing he calls them is a little bit bigger. It says you're foolish and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Sometimes people believe in a lot of Bible. Sometimes people believe in most of the Bible. These guys had no problem believing Jesus was the Savior. They just couldn't wrap their mind around the verses that were difficult to accept. What trips us up is either, look, there's one of two things that will trip you up in your life. One, not knowing the Bible. Two, not trusting in the entire Bible thing. He says, oh foolish ones, you have not believed in all the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the rest, and you read including the book of Psalms even, it says that he expounded, he opened it up and began to show them the deeper things that were pointing at himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not always what's right in front of us. It's what he has said. Look, if he said it, he meant it. I don't understand how that could happen. That's not our job. Our job is not to make sense of what God said. Our job is to follow what God has said, to trust and rest and not freak out. So instead of trying to just make perfect sense out of it, we should practice living it. That's the whole point of what it means to follow Jesus or to call him Lord. And so Jesus shows them. He doesn't say, well, if you don't figure it out, I'm not telling you. He doesn't have these wild expectations. He meets them, right? where they are Remember, he's the counselor. So from Moses onward, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the rest. And so we're going to pause real quick. I want you to find the gospel of Matthew. Okay, keep the tassel in Luke. We're almost done, but not quite. So find the gospel of Matthew chapter one. Okay. And then in your hands, I want you to hold Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll get it in here in a second. So, yeah, Old Testament, if, you're, if you found the Gospel of Matthew, and then I want you to find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just hold those pages together in your Bible. Just, boop, I don't care if it's on the side or up in the middle or what. So you have the Gospels separated to themselves. Now, you guys are quick. Good job. So I want you to look at how many pages are in the Old Testament, everything that's before Matthew, okay? Look, mine says, oh, mine doesn't have page numbers. My old Bible. Anybody have page numbers? Oh, 670. That's a big book. 670. How many pages does yours say? 1,000? Oh, your book's huge. (laughs) Look, this entire thing. That's the Old Testament, right? Jesus, they're on this journey starting in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, gets into Psalms and Proverbs, gets into the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah and all this incredible stuff. And then look at the Gospels, okay? This tiny little piece. Jesus fulfilled over three 100 different specific things said in the Old Testament hundreds or thousands of years in advance said where he would be born. It said what kind of family he would be born to. It even said who his great, 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 great granddaddy would be. It said all kinds. It said, it also said some sad things. It said that when he's betrayed, he'd be betrayed by a friend. It says that he'd be sold out for money. It says that he would be Beaten and scourged and nailed to a tree. The Old Testament didn't just glorify the coming Savior, it gave us a glimpse of his sufferings. And these guys saw Jesus, understood the power that he had, heard the wisdom that he shared, but couldn't wrap their minds around the hard parts. And so Jesus says, Hey, remember in this verse, it talked about the coming Savior, a friend who betray him? They're like Oh, yeah, it's true, it did. And remember, it said he not only would be trained, but he'd do it for just a pocket full of change? Like, oh, yeah, it did. And remember in the Psalms, it says that they would beat him and mock him and scourge him? Like, Oh, you know what? You're right, it did. And beginning at Moses and working through the entire Old Testament on this amazing walk, they begin to realize wait a minute. And it becomes clear, you're Jesus! Oh my gosh. I mean, imagine walking with someone for two hours and you're like, do, 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 and he's talking and talking and all of a sudden you begin to connect the dots and it's like, wait a minute. Maybe he was the Lord. Wait a minute. Maybe that does make sense. Wait a minute. Hold on. I know you. Of course it makes sense. Now I know why you have holes in your wrists. Makes sense now. Like, I'm sure you had it covered up. I don't know. But it's amazing. Says that there started a fire within them, that they got so excited. Look at chapter 24, starting in verse 28 of Luke. This is where we'll close it all up. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone far. They said, all right, guys, have a good day. And they constrained him, saying, abide with us, stay here, for it is towards the evening, and the day is far spent. And Jesus went in to stay with them. now it came to pass, as Jesus sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Does that remind you of anything? When else did Jesus do that? Took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Passover, communion, he did it feeding the 5,000, he did it, like, there's a couple different times Jesus did this with a whole bunch of people watching. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. He can't do, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and told those who were with them gathered together. Imagine you're walking along. This guy's like, you had such a good time. You're like, No, it's not over yet, is it? They're like, yeah, I gotta go. Have a good day. they like, no, no, no. We gotta keep talking. It's been such a good conversation. Let's hang out. Look, the sun's going down. And did they have to like shackle Jesus, tie him to a tree? No. Did they have to? All they had to do was ask. All they had to do, Jesus, oh, come on. Why don't you just stay with us? He's like, okay. Okay. Here's a funny part though. If they didn't want Jesus to stay, he would have kept going. But because they asked, it was revealed to them who he was. If they wouldn't have asked, he would have kept going. But because they asked, it was revealed to him, to them. He breaks the bread, he blesses it and it clicks this is the Lord. And as soon as they get it, for whatever reason, he vanishes. He's gone. And they know it's him. Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, it tells us, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. It won't be on the screen, but I've gotten to, I know a few of you, we've talked this out, and it's a verse, I remember growing up, before he was even a believer, you can go to people's houses, and this verse is on a lot of houses, it's even in kitchens, okay? Mom always puts it on this little plaque, in my mind, it's on like a whitewash plaque with some flowers, and it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? How many of you are like, oh yeah, I've seen that? You go any Christian bookstore, anywhere you get it, it's this pretty little plaque, and it should be. And the Bible says to inscribe the Bible verses upon the doorposts and mantles of our home. So look how awesome. But this, just so you know, guy especially, where's all my men? Let me see you. All right. Uh, Ladies, this is for you too, okay? All you want to be all independent and fired up, do it. Here's the deal. This verse looks pretty on mom's kitchen plaque, and it should be, and there it is. But this is not some sissy little lala like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like, no, this is Joshua getting up in front of the entire nation who's sick and tired of God, doesn't want to follow him, and wants to go worship idols. And he says, you know what, y'all? You want to take a hike and go worship false gods? Be my guest. But as for me, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is not a kitchen plaque that's kind of forgotten because it's around too much. This is a major statement declaring, no matter what, I have decided to follow Jesus. Is that the kind of decision you made to follow Jesus? I don't know when you got saved. Could have been VBS when you were in first grade. It could have been before that. It could have been last camp. It could have been last night. I don't know. But was it that kind of like, you know what? This world's nuts and fine. As for me and my life, I will serve the Lord. Because these guys asked, stay with us. It was revealed to them the deeper things about God. If they would have let Jesus keep going, Jesus would have kept going. Don't miss it. The Lord, all the times, is in pursuit of every single soul today. Don't miss it. What if you don't get the whole thing? They didn't, not at the beginning of the story. They started off bummed out and sad, confused, perplexed, and had lost confidence and hope. And at the end, it says, weren't our hearts excited and burning with passion like fire within us? And oh my goodness, and they run all the way back. It was nighttime. And before long, they take off. They didn't get their rest and relaxation. They ran back because of how excited they were about meeting face-to-face with Jesus. But the difference maker seems to have been when Jesus didn't do something new, he did something familiar. He broke bread, blessed it, and they got it. Life's not about finding the new, cool, exciting thing. It's about looking back upon the consistent, steadfast, unfailing love of God. It's about trusting fully in Jesus Christ. We're going to close in a song of worship right now But I want you to think, is your life kind of like one of those kitchen plaques that like, yeah, my faith is there, but no big deal? Or is it I have decided to follow Jesus and I don't care what the world does, I'm not turning back? Make the decision. If you're not a believer... But even today, talking about this, you're like, man, I'm just, I just—I don't know—something in my heart's getting a little bit stirred up. There's something I can hear in my mind. I—I want more. I'm interested. I think I need to know more about the Lord. That is the Holy Spirit stirring you up, drawing you in, that you would give your life to the Lord, and that any who would call upon the name of Jesus, He would by no means push aside or cast out. But you put your faith and trust in Him. Put your faith and trust in him and he will wash away your sins, give you new life and lead you into what that's supposed to be. We're going to pray. We're going to close in a song of worship and I'll be back up in a minute to share something with you guys. But Father, we come to you just humbled. Lord, if you'll take time to walk with a couple guys going down a long dirt road, no doubt you would gather with us You'd be in our midst. Lord, in all reality, you were here waiting for us today. So, Lord, I pray for everyone that would just say, you know what? I, as for me in my life, I'll serve the Lord. Amen. God, we just sealed up on their heart so plain and bold and clear that today, whatever tomorrow brings or next week, whatever high school and then college and then family and Lord, it's okay. Lord, those that just feel like life's already not worth living, they're burned out, tired, everything they've tried didn't bring the joy they were expecting, everything they've looked to, they only became less hopeful. what I just ask that they would run out quickly of things to try. And they look back to the familiar voice that's been calling them this whole time. Today, if you guys have been running after life, you know it. Every time something new comes, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's fun for a while. Twice as burned out and left with no hope at the end of it. compared to Jesus, when you come to him, he says, look, the older you get, your body starts getting tired. The outward man will be perishing, but the inward man every day will be renewed with a living hope because of your faith in Jesus. Father, Lord, we choose to worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen.